right, all right, all right. Welcome to the KP and the Kid podcast. I am, of course, KP. And with me is my co-host, Nate, a.k.a. The Kid, also known as The Top Fiend. How have you been, Nate? Uh, I've been pretty good. Uh, Looking forward to the episode here. Get to talk about the GOAT. Yes, sir. Now, uh, I don't know about you, Nate, but I'm feeling pretty, pretty. Pretty, pretty good about this week's episode. Not only are we going to be talking about the greatest of all time, we're going to be talking about someone we know and love, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. In this episode, we're going to begin the first part in our multi-part series about the football career of Tom Brady from his days in high school all the way to the present day, where he's still playing at the age of 43. Now, Tom Brady began his football career as a high school freshman, backup quarterback of his high school's junior varsity team. Now, when you hear that, you probably think, well, that's not too bad. That sounds that sounds pretty typical of a for a decent number of NFL players, right? Well, apparently, Tom was the backup quarterback of an 0-8 junior varsity team. An 0-8 junior varsity team, which I'm, I'm pretty sure didn't even score a touchdown that whole year. That's how bad that team was. That's how bad that season was. In fact, the reason that Tom chose to continue playing was mainly due to the fact that he heard the starter of that 0-8 JV team wasn't going to return the next year. So... The next year rolls around, and as a sophomore, Tom is now the starter of his high school's JV team, a pretty substantial improvement from the year before. But then, then the unexpected happens. The starting quarterback of the varsity team gets injured, and Tom comes in to replace him. From there, Tom Brady becomes the starting quarterback of his high school's varsity football team and never looked back. Tom worked his way to being the definitive varsity starter during his junior and senior years of high school. Yeah, and, uh, you know, however football was his love and passion, Brady was also a great baseball player in high school. He was. Um, He was a catcher, which is a difficult position, um, and he was a left-handed hitter who who could really hit for power. and he was skilled and talented enough to uh, be drafted by the uh, Montreal Expos in the 18th round of the 1995 MLB draft. So we almost lost the goat to uh, to baseball. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Expos actually projected Tom as a potential all-star. Um, they offered him money typical of that given to a uh, late uh, second or third round pick. But you know, Nate, Tom Brady, he had other ideas. You see, by Tom's senior year, he was striving to be noticed by college coaches, so much so that he and his dad created highlight tapes and sent them to schools that he considered attending. This led to a lot of interest from many colleges around the nation. Now, having appeared in a few sports magazines and having been named to various All-American teams, Tom Brady was a highly sought-after prospect in high school. He was essentially the mid-90s version of a four-star recruit, a blue chip. 
Now, having limited his choices to five schools, four of which he probably, he not only probably, but most likely could have easily started at, uh, probably by his sophomore year, Tom was recruited by Big Ten Powerhouse Michigan in 1995. Now, Nate, Michigan was a school that Tom dreamed of attending. It was his number one choice. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Brady finished his high school football career uh, by completing 236 of 447 passes for 3,702 yards and 31 touchdowns. Uh, he won All-State honors and All-Far West honors, and I'm not sure what the hell that means. Yeah, it sounds like a bunch of uh, silly accolades to me. Um, moving on to college at Michigan. Whereas at other schools, Tom may have earned the starting job during his sophomore year, like I said earlier, uh, Tom Brady was a backup quarterback during his first few years at Michigan. Uh, there at Michigan, he was sitting behind teammate and future NFL quarterback, Brian Greasy. Uh, Brian Greasy is the son of NFL Hall of Famer and Dolphins legend, Bob Greasy. In fact, when Tom joined Michigan, he was seventh on the depth chart, and he also had a pretty intense struggle to get some playing time. At one point, he hired a sports psychologist to help him cope with frustration and with you know, other types of anxiety. Uh, he also even considered transferring to Cal Berkeley's football program uh, near so he could be near his family and his hometown and all that. Now, to regain his confidence and establish a performance maximizing routine for himself, Tom began working closely with Michigan's assistant athletic director, whose name escapes me right now. And pretty much Tom never looked back after that. Yeah, uh, in Tom's 1998 season, which uh, was his junior year, he was the full-time starter, um, having competed with hometown rookie and star uh, prospect, you know, Drew Henson for the job. Whose uh, name I couldn't remember last episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom set Michigan records and was an all-Big Ten honorable mention. That year, uh, Michigan shared the Big Ten Conference title, and uh, Brady capped that season with a 45-31 to win over Arkansas in the Citrus Bowl. However, something to note was that uh, despite beating or Tom beating him out for the job, Drew Henson cut into about 15% of Tom's playing time. Uh, and despite that, amongst all Big Ten quarterbacks, Tom finished his junior year third in adjusted passing yards per attempt, third in passing efficiency rating, fourth in passing yards, and fourth in passing touchdowns. Wow. Now, yeah. um, that's pretty impressive. In the 1999 season, which was Tom's senior year at Michigan, he was named team captain by his teammates. Now, this is something that in inter interviews and when he's speaking at Michigan for guest appearances and whatnot, that to this day, Tom considers that being named captain at Michigan to be the greatest honor of his career. However, despite all that, and despite playing great the year before, Tom Brady once again had to hold off Drew Henson for the starting job at Michigan. In fact, for about the first half of his senior year, Tom Brady played the first quarter, <clears throat> Drew Henson played the second, and Michigan's coach, Lloyd Carr, would then decide on a quarterback for the second half of the game. The 1999 Michigan Wolverines started the year this way 
with a 5-0 and record, including a 26-22 win over Notre Dame and a road win against the eventual powerhouse, Wisconsin. Against uh, Michigan State, uh, Michigan's rival, uh, Tom Brady was not chosen to play in the second half, which he usually was. However, after being reinstated into the game with Michigan down by 17 points, uh, Tom nearly led Michigan all the way back before losing the game 34-31. to 31. <clears throat> So after a 300-yard passing game by the following week, Lloyd Carr went exclusively with Brady for the remainder of the year. Um, that year, 1999, his senior year, uh, Brady went on to lead Michigan to multiple fourth-quarter comebacks, including a big 31-27 to 27 win against Penn State. He also led them out of a close shootout against Indiana, which uh, I think ended 34 to 20, 31, if I'm not mistaken. Um, <clears throat> so basically to end the year off, Michigan won three straight games and concluded their regular season against Ohio State. This was a pretty dramatic game with a trip to the Orange Bowl on the line. And with five minutes left and the game tied 17 to 17, Tom Brady led Michigan to the winning score. He then led Michigan to an overtime win in the Orange Bowl over Alabama, throwing for 369 yards and four touchdowns, leading the team back from a pair of 14-point deficits in regulation. Um, <clears throat> so they were down 14-0 in the first half, and then later in the second half, they were down 28-14. to uh, Tom ended his senior year by throwing the game-winning score. So he had the game-winning touchdown in the Orange Bowl against Alabama. Also, for the second year in a row, Tom was named All-Big Ten All-Honorable Mention, despite having Drew Henson cut into at least 25% of his playing time, up 10% from the year before, as Nate mentioned. Uh, so amongst all Big Ten quarterbacks, Tom finished his senior year second in adjusted passing yards per attempt, first in passing efficiency rating, fourth in passing yards, and fifth in passing touchdowns a significant improvement from his junior year. So basically, for two consecutive years, two years in a row, Tom battled for the starting job with Drew Henson and ultimately started every game in the 1998 and 1999 seasons. He was also named to all Big Ten honorable mention two times, despite having anywhere from 15 to 25% of his playing time cut into by Drew during both seasons. So in the two seasons that Brady started at Michigan, he posted a 20-5 and record, including wins at the Citrus Bowl of 1999 and the Orange Bowl, which took place in 2000. Brady finished his career ranking third in Michigan history with 710 attempts and 442 completions. He finished fourth with 5,351 passing yards and posted a 62.3 completion percentage. He's also fifth all-time with 35 touchdown passes. And again, this was all with Drew Henson cutting into at least 20% of his potential playing time in both of his starting seasons at Michigan. Yep, that's the GOAT right there. So uh, yep. following a relatively successful year at Michigan and heading into the NFL Combine, uh, big and tall Tom Brady uh, was graded as about a third or fourth round QB by many NFL coaches and executives around the league, uh, including the likes of Sean Payton, uh, supposedly Bill Parcells and Andy Reid also thought this. Um, 
But someone who looked more highly on Brady was, of course, Bill Belichick, who graded him as a late second round, early third round pick. Uh, Belichick, along with Pat's QB coach, uh, Dick Riven, and even Bobby Greer before them, liked Tom for his intangibles, his leadership ability, his resiliency, his ability to lead comebacks, and his performances in big games, and his performances in high-pressure situations. And uh, last but not least, Tom was graded a first-round pick by Bill Polian, the former GM of the Colts. Which is probably bullshit, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely. Most likely. Um, so then the NFL Combine actually rolled around. In the NFL Combine, Tom looked pretty unimpressive, performing poorly or below average in everything other than the three-cone drill and the 20-yard shuttle. However... The reason that Tom looked unimpressive had less to do with his athletic ability and more to do with his appearance. You see, apparently, Tom was given some bad advice before the combine. He was advised to lose weight so that he wouldn't look out of shape and can perform better in the agility drills, which he did, by the way. However, that backfired completely because once the big and tall Tom Brady, as Nate mentioned, uh, who was ranked highly, mainly due to his size, and was now looking small, tall, scrawny, out of shape. It greatly affected his draft position. So, as a result of Drew Henson cutting into his playing time at Michigan, his weight loss before the Combine, and his unimpressive Combine performance, Tom Brady was selected by the New England Patriots in the sixth round of the NFL Draft than 199th pick. So, why did the Patriots even draft him? Well, Bill Belichick over the years has stressed that the five most important characteristics he looks for in quarterbacks are accuracy, which Tom Brady clearly had at Michigan, delivery, which Tom Brady had, decision-making, Tom Brady had, performance under pressure, he definitely had, and leadership, also definitely had. The Pats drafted Tom Brady because of a clear presence of intangibles. Now, the Patriots didn't know, but they were aware of the adversity Tom dealt with, with Drew Henson cutting into his playing time. And they were also aware of him being named team captain during his senior year. And due to his Orange Bowl and Citrus Bowl performances, they were aware of his ability to perform in the clutch. According to Bill Belichick, The more he saw of Tom Brady, the more apparent it became to him that the bigger the stage, the better Tom Brady performed. The 2000 Orange Bowl was a great example. In the biggest moment of Tom Brady's college career, he had arguably his greatest performance, throwing for 369 yards and four touchdowns. In overtime of that game, when everything was on the line, Tom never flinched. His ability to perform under pressure in high-pressure situations is something that can't be taught. A player either has it or he doesn't. The greatest offensive mind of the last 40 years, Bill Walsh, who was the 49ers head coach during the 80s and late 70s, and who was in their front office for most of the 90s and early 2000s, he believed that performing under pressure, performing in high-pressure situations, is something that can't be taught. And so does Bill Belichick, the greatest defensive mind of the last 40 years. The ability to perform under pressure 
is an absolutely essential quality for a quarterback to succeed in the NFL. Dick Rabine thought Tom Brady had it, and Bill Belichick did as well. Yeah, so uh, Belichick and his staff talked a lot about Brady's production during his senior year at Michigan and uh, just how efficient he was. Belichick also noticed that when the Wolverines rotated Henson in and there was a problem, the team ended up bringing Brady back in the game where most of the time he'd fix the problem and move the team into a position where they would end up winning the game. Yeah. Belichick was extremely impressed with uh, what Tom did, with the opportunities he had. Um, according to Brady, sometime after arriving in Foxborough, he approached Patriots owner Robert Kraft and uh, attempted to introduce himself but the moment after he said hi, Kraft said to him that he knew who he was. He said that he was the tight end they drafted, Kyle Brady. Um, Robert Kraft tells a different story, which states that he knew who Brady was and remembers even mentioning the round. But regardless of how the exchange went, the result was the same. He looked Kraft dead in the eye and told him that he was the best decision this organization has ever made. And uh, spoiler alert, he was. Tom Brady started the 2000 NFL season as the fourth-string quarterback, much like how he started his college career as the seventh-string quarterback. By season's end, Tom was number two on the depth chart behind Drew Bledsoe, a talented perennial top 10, top 15 quarterback, and the Patriots' former number one draft pick. Now, during his rookie season, Tom spent most of it in amazement of all the marquee veteran players that the team had. From Willie McGinnis to Teddy Bruschi and Ted Johnson, to Lawyer Malloy, who became a close friend of his. But the player Tom was most amazed by was Drew Bledsoe, the eventual $100 million man. And no other player on the Patriots did more than Bledsoe to help Brady fit in with the team. Eventually, Tom became like an extension of Bledsoe's own family. The Bledsoe family often had Tom over for dinner and they often went golfing together. Tom tried to learn as much as he could from Drew Bledsoe. Drew thought of Tom as a quarterback who would be like a journeyman backup in the NFL for like a good 10 years or so, maybe even 15 years, kind of like Jason Garrett. Um, Tom saw his first action in the NFL at the end of a 39 to 34 to nine loss to the Detroit Lions on November 23rd. Tom was one for three passing for six yards. Pretty unexceptional. Uh, But the New England Patriots as a whole weren't doing so well either. After inheriting a perennial 500 team with a stout defense and a franchise quarterback in Drew Bledsoe, Patriots head coach Bill Belichick, who had gone 36 and 44 in Cleveland, went five and 11 in his first year with the Patriots finishing last in their division. Following the season, Belichick allowed the Kraft family to pay Drew Bledsoe a 10-year, $103 million contract, something he didn't really want to do, but because Kraft, the Kraft family loved Drew Bledsoe, he went along with and did anyway. It's crazy how like the money has grown. You know, look at that contract for Bledsoe like that, $103 million for you know the perennial QB at the time. It's crazy. Yeah. But um, so now we're going to move on to uh, 2001. Uh, in 2001, after a phenomenal offseason via the draft, free agency and trades, Bill Belichick capped it off by signing Damian Heward, a uh, proven veteran QB who had great success backing up uh, Dan Marino in Miami. 
He wanted Tom Brady to compete for the number two position behind Bledsoe. Tom did more than just that. During the offseason, most players scattered to other parts of the country, but rather than returning home to California, Tom Brady spent his first offseason in Foxborough and practically took up residence at the stadium. During the day, he lifted in the weight room, ran stairs in the stadium, or did passing drills. When he wasn't working out, he was studying film in a cramped room that the Patriots coaches referred to as the dungeon. Over the spring and summer of 2000, Brady logged hundreds of hours alone in that room. It wasn't uncommon for assistant coaches or staff members to find him there at 10 or even 11 o'clock at night. That's right. In fact, coaches would be so surprised to see him in there and would talk about him behind his back. Not saying anything bad, of course, but saying things like, man, this kid cracks me up. Love the effort, though. Uh, One afternoon that summer, Tom was in the quarterback room, all alone, when he noticed quarterback coach Dick Rabine's notebook on the table. The evaluation of him read like this. Slow on reads, slow to react, doesn't deliver the ball on time, needs to do everything quicker. Now, Tom, thinking of himself as pretty exceptional at all those things, added more drills to his workout routine. He spent more time studying the playbook and spent even more time working out. None of this went unnoticed by Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick was the one guy who spent more time at the stadium than Tom Brady did. Um, Aside from what assistant coaches were telling him, Belichick also observed that Tom was in the weight room a lot, uh, and by the time training camp opened in late July, Brady had put on about 15 pounds, most of which was muscle. Bill Belichick, Coach Belichick, made a mental note of all that. He also noted that in addition to looking stronger, Brady was more confident in his decision-making, and his reaction time was much faster. He was also making better reads, so slow on reads, slow to react, doesn't deliver the ball on time, needs to do everything quicker. Tom improved on all those criticisms. And... Through the first two weeks of training camp in 2001, Tom had not only outperformed Damon Heward, who Belichick had penciled in as the number two quarterback entering that offseason, he also outperformed Drew Bledsoe, and that continued throughout most of training camp and the preseason. Just before the Pats 2001 season opener in Cincinnati, uh, Bill Belichick met with Robert Kraft, the Patriots owner. They were also joined by Jonathan Kraft, Scott Pioli. Belichick briefed the three men on the status of the team. Uh, Robert Kraft, in particular, asked Bill a lot of questions. And Bill sort of outlined the areas where he felt the team still needed to improve. And as the meeting uh, wore down, Bill looked at Robert Kraft and said, I just want you to know if I was going to start the rest of the, if I was going to start the best quarterback on the football team this weekend, I'd be starting Tom Brady. Not true of blood, so. Excellent Belichick impersonation. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> now, Robert Kraft was a guy, as I mentioned earlier, who was in love with Drew Bledsoe. So that that really must have come to a sh- as a shock to him. Uh, it was also pretty ballsy on Bill's part, especially after Bill had gone 5-11 and 11 just the year before. However, despite the great offseason, And despite the strong words from Bill Belichick regarding Brady and Bledsoe, in his second year as Patriots head coach, Bill Belichick started just as poorly 
as he did the year before. Falling to 0-2 against the Cincinnati Bengals and the New York Jets with Bledsoe as his starting quarterback. Making his career record with Bledsoe a dismal 5-13. and Yeah, so... Uh... At the end of the fourth quarter, in the second of the game of the in the second game of the season against the New York Jets, I think we all know what's coming. Drew Bloodsoe was hit so severely by Jets linebacker Mo Lewis that he suffered both a concussion and internal bleeding. Brady played the final series of that game, and uh, Bloodsoe tried playing through it, but ultimately the Patriots lost. Um, Tom made his first start in week three against the Colts where they would uh, win 44 to 13 against uh, Peyton Manning, which I love, by the way. We don't even at this point, we don't even realize the rivalry that's about to, you know, come down for the next 14 years or so. Yeah. And Um, also the Colts that year were a division rival because back in the day before 2000 to 2002 realignment, the Colts were in the AFC East. So they play the Patriots twice a year. Yeah, I, I could you imagine if that just never changed? That would be yeah, that'd be so great. Getting those guys playing each other twice a year. Yeah. Well, they essentially kind of did play each other twice a year. They early really on. did. Yeah. But um, after so, like 2007, that kind of stopped. Yeah. Um, Tom had his first loss in his following start, a 31 to 20 loss in Denver. Um, the but first of it was, many losses to Denver. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I. <laughs> I still think about the 2015 season. Yeah. Uh, terrible. It was in uh, week five, which was Tom Brady's third start, where he finally began to hit a stride. Trailing the San Diego Chargers by 10 points in the fourth quarter, he led the Patriots on two scoring drives to force overtime and another in overtime to set up a winning field goal. In addition to being his first game-winning drive, it was also the first two-score deficit that he would erase in his career. Tom Brady went... 33 54, 364 yards, and two touchdowns, and was named AFC Offensive Player of the Week for the first time in his career. Over the next four weeks, Tom Brady led the team to three wins and one loss, including two absolute clinics against Indianapolis and Atlanta. In the second week of November, after starting the season 0 2, the New England Patriots were 5 2 since Tom took over, and 5 4 overall. Now, it was around this time when Tom Brady showed just what kind of leader he really was. The way Ted Johnson tells the story, Tom Brady and most of the team veterans on the offense and defense were all gathered around at a team dinner. The team was talking about how well they were playing and how well the season turned around. And, you know, some of the the defensive guys were mentioning how they couldn't wait for Drew Bledsoe to come back from his injury. Now, in response to hearing this, Tom Brady, who only really got excited or irritable or angry in practice or during games, started shouting at them and all the team veterans like a madman about how he was the quarterback of the team and it was him they were winning games with and that he outworked and outplayed Drew Bledsoe in training camp in the preseason and that Drew Bledsoe wasn't getting his job back. This was Tom Brady's team now and the New England Patriots were going to go far with him. So at 5-4, and four, the Patriots' next game 
was against the best team in the NFL, St. Louis Rams. Greatest show on turf. And not only that, the Patriots franchise quarterback, Drew Bledsoe, was healthy and ready to play again. Bill chose to go with Tom Brady as the starter, and the Pats ended up losing a close game against the Rams. Now, there was a lot of criticism and confusion after this loss, and rightfully so. At that point in time, Drew Bledsoe was the Patriots franchise. However, despite all the criticism, and despite all of the confusion, Bill Belichick stuck with his guns. Tom Brady would remain the starter. Now, when this happened, a lot of people in New England were kind of up in arms, especially the media. Drew Bledsoe was a number one overall pick. Uh, He lived up to that by being a multiple-time Pro Bowler and a UPI All-Pro with a handful of statistically quality seasons. Drew Bledsoe was a franchise quarterback, simply put. He had a rocket arm and consistently put up solid numbers. This was back when defensive players could really rough up wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, Drew Bledsoe led the Patriots to the Super Bowl in 96 and made pro football the most popular sport in New England during a decade when the three other Boston sports teams flat out stunk. Even years where he himself he himself struggled, like 1999 and 2000, uh, Drew Bledsoe was mediocre at worst in those years. When he was benched for Brady in 2001, he had just signed a 10-year, $103 million contract. Now, outside of people who watched Big Ten football, nobody really knew who Tom Brady was before coming, becoming the Patriots starter. He was an undervalued sixth-round draft pick in 2000. He was a third- or fourth-string guy who worked his way to being a no-name backup in 2001. The only people who knew how good he was were really the Patriots coaches. And although Drew Bledsoe had been struggling for a few years, and even though Tom Brady kind of proved himself as a solid quarterback in 2001, people thought it was a mistake when um, they traded him back in 2002, Bledsoe. Tom Brady, while better than Drew Bledsoe had been the previous two seasons in 1999 and 2000, wasn't better than or even relatively close to the type of quarterback that Drew Bledsoe was from 1996 to 1998, you know, the guy that people fell in love with. Regardless, Bill Belichick bet his entire career on Tom Brady, and it paid off. And as much as I like to criticize Bill for his record without Tom Brady as a GM and a head coach, I got to give him props for that. The following week against the Saints, After that loss to the Rams, Tom Brady put on a masterful performance, silencing all of his doubters. Tom Brady was once again the NFL's player of the week, and the Patriots never looked back on their way to the playoffs. Now, in his first season as a starter, 2001, starting just 14 games, Tom Brady had a solid year. He finished 14th in passing touchdowns, 11th in touchdown percentage, Uh, 22nd in passing yards, 16th in yards per attempt. Uh, Looking at his impact and value statistics, he was 12th in adjusted net yards per attempt. Uh, Relative to league average, he had an adjusted net yards per attempt plus of 102, which is above average. 100 is uh, 
100 is average, so 102 is above average, and it's also the second lowest of his career. Uh, he was sixth in passer rating. He posted a rate plus of 111, which is very good. Uh, he was 15th in EPA per play at 0.059, uh, 13th in DYAR, and 11th in DVOA at 5.4%. So in his first year as a starter, he was a, a quality quarterback, and he was clutch when he needed to be, orchestrating three fourth-quarter comebacks and three game-winning drives. He was also named to the Pro Bowl in this season. Now, people like to talk about how football is a team game, and the Patriots' defense also had a quality year in 2001. They were 24th in yards per play, 6th in points per drive, 13th in DVOA, and 8th in EPA per play. Now, with a quality defense that was getting hot at the right time, the 2001 Patriots finished the year 11-5, and 11-3 with Brady, and uh, they were ready to make the playoffs, show their stuff. Yeah, so uh, in the playoffs, um, in the snow, a, in a blizzard game against the Raiders, uh, a team that made the AFC Championship game you know, the year prior, a team that was coached by John Gruden, who would lead the Bucks to the Super Bowl the following year. Um, Tom Brady would really make his mark um, and show who he was. He uh, threw for over 300 passing yards, um, which the Raiders hadn't allowed a 300-yard passer all year. And he did this in the snow. Um, in a blizzard. He, yeah, in a blizzard. He he ran for a touchdown. Um, you know, he there was, it was his best game of the 2001 playoffs uh, for sure. I think he had a, uh, a negative 0.061 EPA per play that Oof, game. Carried. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get why people say he's carried in 2001. First, first impressions make a hell of a difference for your career. Yeah. It's, this one playoff run impacted the way people viewed him for the next, however, 20 years. <laughs> Yeah, I just because of this one playoff run. I just think that there's got to be some leniency somewhere. Like, I think any other quarterback would get leniency. This was his first year starting. Well, he was. was, Well, in this this game in particular, game right. This was his. I think this was his fifteenth game starting or something like that. Yeah, and as he always does, even when he plays poorly, he's somehow flawless in the fourth quarter, and that was the case in this game. I mean, you know, like. You know, 12 minutes with about 13 minutes remaining, he began to execute the first of many flawless fourth quarter comebacks that he had in his career. Uh, The Pats in the fourth quarter implemented their no huddle offense for the first time in that whole game. Uh, Something that probably should have happened sooner in that game. Like if they ran a no huddle offense that whole game, Tom might have thrown for over 400 yards and they didn't start throwing it until the uh, running the no huddle offense till the fourth quarter. Um, yeah. So, the, um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. He, uh, he completed nine passes in a row in that fourth quarter in a blizzard. Uh, he camped off. He capped off that drive by rushing in for six yards, uh, eluding three tacklers on that rushing touchdown that you mentioned. And he dove into the Ed zone head first. It was his first, right. Not only was it a rushing touchdown by him, it was the first rushing touchdown of his career. Um, he's, and when he did it, he sprang to his feet and he spiked the ball so hard that he lost his balance and fell face first into the snow. <laughs> now, 
at that point, it was a three-point game with about less than eight minutes remaining, and the stadium was just going crazy. I remember watching that. I was eight years old. I was just like, man, we can win this game. I like no one. No one thought we would win, but like at that point, and that at that point in the game, everyone thought the team would had a chance to win. And uh, the next time the Pats had the ball, the tuck rule play happened. Now, going back to the second game of the season against the Jets, uh, Vinny Testaverde had fumbled and the Pats recovered, but the call was reversed and the ball was given back to the Jets by virtue of something called the tuck rule. Now, when the Brady fumble happened, when the tuck rule play happened, um, every coach on the Patriots sideline knew what that the call what the call was likely to be. <clears throat> Under the rule, a forward pass starts with the forward motion of the quarterback's hand. So if a quarterback starts the throwing motion but doesn't release the ball, the initial forward passing motion doesn't conclude until the quarterback's arm comes to a complete stop. This is evidenced by either a quarterback tucking the ball against his body or by his arm otherwise coming to a complete stop, such as when he takes off running. Now, when this happened, Brady's arm did not come to a complete stop. Therefore, the rule was correctly called. But if it happened today, it would have been called a fumble. Um, so, yeah. and I think pretty it's, crazy. And yeah. after that play, happening against us, you know, people like people. I think people have this weird misconception about it that it was like. It was like a call that only the Patriots got or something like that. Like there's people who like mentioned this up there with like Brady in this in, in quotes cheating. Like this is somehow in any way, shape or form cheating. Like this is this was a legitimate rule that so was called I, earlier in the season against the Patriots. Yeah, exactly. I, I just can't, you know, fathom. Now, that. after the tuck rule play. With just about a minute and a half left in the game and zero timeouts remaining. In the middle of a blizzard, a blizzard, Brady completed a 13-yard strike to David Padden, uh, advancing the patch to the Raiders' 29-yard line. Three plays later, with 20 second seconds left, or 27 seconds left, <clears throat> Bill Belichick sent out Adam Vinatieri for what seemed like an impossible 45-yard field goal attempt. The field conditions at that time were so bad that Adam Vinatieri had to modify his approach to avoid losing his footing. Now, Adam Vinatieri, he's probably the greatest postseason kicker ever. You know, for so, sure in my eyes. And, and, and it starts he's got with this, all the clutch. And it yeah. starts with this kick right here. Unable to get much lift on the kick, he booted a low line drive that barely got over the outstretched hands of all the Raiders' defensive players or special teams players. <clears throat> the visibility was so poor in that game that I remember me and my family watching the game on television couldn't see the ball as it disappeared into like the, the fog of the snowy sky. Um, even I think even the people inside the stadium were in the dark until the referees put their raised their arms over their head. Um, and then in overtime, Tom Brady finished the game like he almost always does. And he drove the Pats 61 yards by completing all eight passes he threw. So he went eight for eight for 61 yards in that overtime. And then on fourth down, Adam Vinatieri trotted back out to attempt a game-winning 23-yard kick, which, of course, he made. Now, 
as we mentioned earlier, Tom Brady was the only quarterback to throw for 300 yards against the Raiders that year, and he did it against the great veteran defense in a blizzard. Yeah, uh, it was a, definitely a, a crazy game, and a, it, it was an overall good performance, especially for in those circumstances and, you know, his first playoff start. But uh, after this, you know, he's got to move on to the Pittsburgh game. But uh, with over with just over about two minutes remaining in the first half, uh, the Patriots were clinging to a seven to three lead as a Pittsburgh defender lunges at Brady's knee. And uh, just as he completed his throwing motion, Brady twisted his body. Um, he fell to the ground. He was in obvious pain. He clutched his left ankle and moments later he was unable to put any weight on his left leg. Uh, Brady hobbled off the field. Um, and of course drew blood. would come out. Um, but he did make a completion, which put his team into Steeler territory, um, before exiting the game with an injury. And on um, that play, Bledsoe came out and threw a touchdown. So if Tom doesn't get hurt, what's he do? He probably throws that touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there's Drew taking, there's God saying, you know what, Tom, we don't want you to pad your stats this postseason. Let's uh, let's give you a little injury so you're out of the game. <laughs> I, I always think, I always think like, you know, Bledsoe finishes this game. Obviously, they win it, and we're on to the Super Bowl. But like, I wonder if there was any, you know, what was going through like <clears throat> Belichick's head and Kraft's head about who started the Super Bowl after this know? game. That was a whole big controversy. Who would start after that? Yeah. After Bledsoe came in. Yep. And it wasn't this, this. They didn't announce it until like moments before the game started. Who would start? I think. Uh, I think Jonathan. I think Jonathan Kraft actually told Bono, the singer from U2, because they were performing the opening at the Super Bowl that year, or maybe the halftime. Them and Paul McCartney were performing that year. Yep. And. Um, <clears throat> Jonathan Kraft was a big U2 fan, so when Bono asked him, who's going to be the starter tonight? And he told him, Tom Brady. And when he said that, like, I think Jonathan Kraft was probably a little drunk or something. So uh, he was like, oh, please, Bono, don't say anything. And then when U2 was interviewed moments before the Super Bowl, they said, yeah, we don't know who's going to start. Even So Bono, pretty solid guy, in my opinion. That's, I never knew that story. That's, yeah. that's crazy. So you will... Uh... Start yeah, us off so, with Super Bowl 36. Yeah, so in Super Bowl 36, despite being heavy underdogs, I think they were 14-point underdogs, the Patriots played pretty well, actually very well. They held the Rams' high-powered offense in check for the first three quarters. And, uh, before the end of the first half, Tom Brady led a clutch touchdown drive, throwing a TD pass, which put his team up two scores going into halftime. And at the end of the game, <clears throat> his, his name was once again called, this time to do the unthinkable. You see, the Rams' high-powered offense in the fourth quarter rallied from a 14-point deficit to tie the game with a minute and 30 left in regulation. The Patriots then got the ball back at their own 17-yard line. With no timeouts, NFL legend, sportscaster, and former Super Bowl winning coach John Madden made the argument that the Patriots should run out the clock and try to win the game in overtime. Instead, 
Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. drove the Patriots offense down the field to the Rams' 31-yard line before spiking the ball with seven seconds left. Future Hall of Fame kicker Adam Vinatieri converted a 48-yard field goal as time expired to give the Patriots a 20-17 win and their first ever Super Bowl championship. <clears throat> Tom was named due to his heroics at the end of the first half and second half, or the end of the game rather, was named Super Bowl MVP because of what he did in clutch moments. At the age of 24 years and six months, Tom Brady became the youngest quarterback to win the Super Bowl at that time, surpassing Joe Namath and Joe Montana, who were the two youngest before him. Now, I think that has since been broken by uh, both it has. by Ben Roethlisberger, and I think Patrick yep. Mahomes too, but I'm pretty sure Ben Roethlisberger is the youngest the quarterback. Youngest. He was 23, okay. yep. All right. So at the end of Brady's first season as a starter, he, he was a clutch quarterback who played quality football, made the Pro Bowl, and was named Super Bowl MVP. That's a pretty impressive season. Yeah, as, uh, first, first year guy. Starter. Yeah. Following his 2001 Super Bowl victory and not wanting to be a one-hit wonder, Tom Brady cut his offseason short to prepare for the 2002 season. In his offseason, the Patriots traded Drew Bledsoe for a first-round draft pick and acquired Louisville speedster Dion Branch in the second round. The 2002 season would be the Patriots' first season at newly built Gillette Stadium. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who the Patriots had just knocked off in the AFC Championship game, were widely considered the best team in the AFC entering the season. The Patriots were scheduled to play them again in the season opener, and they annihilated them 30-14. to in this game, Tom threw for nearly 300 yards, three touchdowns, and during one stretch of the game, Brady threw 23 consecutive passes without calling a running play. The following week, the Pats would dominate the Jets 44-7, Brady once again putting up big numbers. Branch caught a 49-yard bomb for a second touchdown. In week three, Brady threw for over 400 yards for the first time in his career, and New England won big 41-38. However, despite being 3-0, and Coach Bill Belichick wasn't pleased. He was convinced that the, that the team couldn't win consistently the way they were playing. The defense was too porous, too lackluster. The offense, the offense needed a more balanced attack. They needed to run the ball more. He was half right. Who cares about the run game, Bill? After, 2000, after starting the year 3-0, and the defending 2002 New England Patriots lost four straight games and ended up going 9-7 and seven on the year. Now, in 2002, the Patriots' defense finished the season 19th in yards per play, 20th in points per drive, 15th in DVOA, and 22nd in EPA per play, making it, making it one of the worst in the league. Tom Brady, on the other hand, led the NFL in touchdown passes and was 6th in passing yards. Looking at his impact and value statistics, he was 19th in adjusted net yards per attempt with a 105 adjusted net yards per attempt plus, which is good or well above average. Uh, he was 10th in passer rating, and uh, he had a passer rating plus of 110, which is very good. He was 19th in EPA per play, and it was an EPA per play of 0. 
zero five zero, which is between average and above average. Uh, he was also ninth in DYAR and fourteenth in DVOA at a solid eight point two percent. Now, while I probably wouldn't classify this as a good or very good year, it was definitely another quality season from Tom and another clutch season. In the two thousand two season, a season in which the Patriots had a terrible defense and won nine games, Tom Brady orchestrated two fourth quarter comebacks and led four game-winning drives, including a miraculous comeback against the Bears earlier in the year. That makes this a quality season. That makes this quality season from Tom very impressive. If someone wanted to call it a good or very good year, I wouldn't blame them, especially when you consider who he was throwing to. You know, Deion Branch, Troy Brown, you know, a bunch of guys that won't even sniff the Hall of Fame. So, you know, and a bunch of guys that didn't even make the Pro Bowl that year or wouldn't make a Pro Bowl for another the next six, five, six years. So, yeah. <clears throat> All right. Following another excellent offseason, the 2003 Patriots were ready to shock the world and prove wrong anyone who believed that they were a fluke in 2001. They wanted to prove to the world that they weren't big, fat phonies. After suffering the worst opening day loss in Patriots history and playing one of the worst games of his career, Tom Brady bounced back into form as the season progressed on. Brady's increasing ability to drive his teammates and effectively lead them on the field and in the locker room was a huge reason for the Patriots' success in that season and for the remainder of his career. Regarding Tom Brady, Coach Bill Belichick has said, <clears throat> he has a knack for getting on guys. <clears throat> Regarding Tom, Coach Bill Belichick has said, he has a knack for getting on guys in a way that they don't take personally. It's hard to sum up his natural leadership, but he's got it. It's like pornography. Even if you can't define it, you know it when you see it. After starting the year two and two, Tom Brady helped his offense find their identity and led his team to 12 straight victories heading into the 2003 playoffs, orchestrating a then career-high five-game-winning drives and three fourth-quarter comebacks along the way. And after starting the year with one of the worst games of his career against the Buffalo Bills, Tom Brady finished the 2003 season against that same Buffalo team with his best game of the season and one of the best games of his career to that point. Tom Brady finished the 2003 season 10th in passing touchdowns and 6th in passing yards. Looking at his impact and value statistics, he was 9th in adjusted net yards per attempt with uh, adjusted net yards per attempt plus of 107, which is good. He was 10th in passer rating with a rate plus of 107, which is good. He was 14th in EPA per play, 0.078, between, again, between above average and above average, but a substantial improvement from the previous two years. He was also 9th in DYAR and 11th in DVOA at, eight point, at a solid 8.7%. Uh, this, in this season, Tom also finished third in MVP voting behind co-winners Peyton Manning and Steve McNair two quarterbacks he would later face in the playoffs. And it's not like he finished third in MVP voting by getting one or two votes either. No, Tom got eight votes. McNair and Manning each got 16. Now, one could argue that this was Tom Brady's first season as an elite quarterback, especially if you include the playoffs, and especially if you look at the second half of the season or if you ignore that atrocious week one performance. But in my opinion... Unless you were to include playoffs, I don't really think it is. I do think it was a good season and the best season of his career to that point. 
Uh, as mentioned earlier, Tom was also, once again, extremely clutch in the 2003 season, orchestrating three fourth-quarter comebacks and five game-winning drives. What, but what also makes this season impressive, like the previous season, and the biggest reason you can consider this an elite season by Tom, much like the year before, is who he was throwing to. Um, and speaking of help, in 2003, the Patriots' defense was fourth in yards per play, first in points per drive, second in DVOA, and second in EPA per play. So, with the Patriots' well-balanced attack, they were ready to shock the world once again. Having earned a first-round bye, the Patriots played the Tennessee Titans in the divisional round. In one of the coldest games in NFL history, with temperatures reaching 4 degrees or negative 15 Celsius, New England jumped to a 14-7 lead in the first half for the touchdown pass by Brady and a touchdown run from Smith. However, quarterback Steve McNair's 11-yard touchdown pass to receiver Derek Mason tied the game in the third quarter. With 4.06 remaining in the game, Patriots' Tom Brady led the Pats downfield, and Adam Vinatieri would make a 46-yard field goal to take the lead. New England's defense later clinched a 17-14 victory as they stopped the Titans from scoring at fourth down on their last drive of the game. Brady would finish that game with a 0.138 EPA per play. Now, moving on to our 2003 AFC Championship game, the Patriots played the red-hot Indianapolis Colts. The Colts entered the game leading the NFL in passing yards and ranked third in total offense yards. With quarterback Peyton Manning, wide receiver Marvin Harrison, and running back Edger and James, the Colts had scored 79 points in their two playoff victories against the Denver Broncos and Kansas City Chiefs, including a 38-31 victory over the Chiefs in the first puntless game in NFL playoff history. However, New England's defense dominated the Colts, only allowing 14 points intercepting four passes from Manning, three of them by Ty Law. Enforcing a safety, Tom, Vinatieri, and the Pats put up 22 points on offense as they defeated the Colts 24-14. to Brady's EPA per play in this game would end up 0 0.139. In Super Bowl 38, one of the greatest games in NFL history, Tom Brady led the Patriots to a 32-29 victory over the NFC champion Carolina Panthers and was named Super Bowl MVP for the second time in his career. During the game, Tom threw for 354 yards and three touchdowns. Brady would finish the Super Bowl with a 0.336 EPA per play, and his overall playoff run would finish at 0.216 EPA per play. An elite playoff run, if I do say so myself. He would also finish with five touchdowns, 792 yards, two interceptions, passer rating of 84.5, and a 6.37 adjusted net yards per attempt. During the 2004 season, Tom Brady helped the Patriots set an NFL record with 21 straight wins dating back from the previous year and accomplished honored in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Although, for official records, the NFL considers it an 18-game regular season winning streak. It does not count playoff games. In 2004, Tom Brady finished the year 6th in passing touchdowns and 10th in passing yards. Looking at his impact and value statistics from this season, he was 8th in adjusted net yards per attempt, 
with an adjusted net yards per attempt plus of 118, which is elite. He was also ninth in passer rating with a rate plus of 115, also elite. He was tied for fifth in EPA per play at 0.260, which is MVP caliber. He was fourth in DYAR and fourth in DVOA. Uh, his DVOA that year was 31.6%, which is not only MVP caliber, but also a career year for a typical Hall of Fame quarterback. For context, on Brady's 2004 DVOA of 31.6%, Aaron Rodgers' DVA in the following years, 2014 was 32.2%, and 2020, 33.7%, were both MVP years for Rodgers. Of the stats listed so far, this was the first season where Tom was top 10 in all of them, and top 5 in most of them. And due to this great year, because he had his first truly elite season, Tom was voted to his second Pro Bowl. And in this season, the Patriots' defense was elite yet again, being 11th in yards per play, 4th in points per drive, 6th in DVOA, and 7th in EPA per play. So with a balanced team, elite on both offense and defense, Tom Brady and the Patriots finished the 2004 season with a 14-2 record, equaling their 2003 record. It was the best regular season record ever for a defending champion. They also won the AFC East title for the third time in four years. In the 2004 playoffs, Brady once again led the Patriots to win over Peyton Manning in the Indianapolis Colts in the divisional round by a score of 20-3. to Next, in the AFC Championship, Brady and the Pats would play the Pittsburgh Steelers. Brady played the best game of the year in Pittsburgh, despite requiring treatment the night before when he ran a temperature of 103 degrees. Against the NFL's best defense, with the flu, Tom recorded a passer rating of 130.5, his highest of the season, and winning the game a score of 41-27. to He also would finish the game with a 0.556 EPA per play. Wow. In Super Bowl 39, the Patriots narrowly defeated the Philadelphia Eagles 24-21, capturing their third championship in four years. They became the first franchise since the 90s Dallas Cowboys to do so. Brady would throw for 236 yards and two touchdowns in the win and would have a 0.178 EPA per play in the Super Bowl. His overall Super Bowl run would finish at 0.24 EPA per play, his best postseason run up until this point. He would also finish with five touchdowns, no interceptions, 587 yards, a 67.9 completion percentage, one rushing touchdown, a passer rating of 109.4 and a 7.16 adjusted net yards per pass attempt. Very, very impressive. Daddy goat. (laughs) Yes, sir. During the 2005 season, Injuries suffered by running backs Corey Dillon, Patrick Pass, and Kevin Falk forced the Patriots to rely more on Tom Brady's passing. Tom Brady also had to adjust to new center Ross Hochstein and running back Heath Evans, or rather fullback Heath Evans. In 2005, Brady finished the season third in passing touchdowns and first in passing yards. It was the second time in his career that he led the league in either touchdowns or yards. Looking at his impact and efficiency statistics for the 2005 season, he was fifth in adjusted net yards per attempt, 
with an adjusted net yards per attempt plus of 118, which is elite. He was sixth in passer rating with a rate plus of 114, which is great. He was third in EPA per play with an EPA per play of 0.249, which is MVP caliber. He was also third in DYAR and fifth in DVOA with a DVOA of 28.6. It was the second straight season for Tom finishing top 10 in the metrics we have listed so far. It was also his second straight season as an elite quarterback. Due to this, he was named to his third Pro Bowl. I believe this was the last Pro Bowl he participated in. He was also named second team All-Pro at the end of the season, and this All-Pro selection was his first. Um, In 2005, the Patriots' defense wasn't that spectacular as it was in the previous two seasons. In fact, it was pretty bad. They were 27th in yards per play, 22nd in points per drive, 28th in DVOA, and 26th in EPA per play. Now, despite the terrible play from the defense, Tom Brady and the Patriots finished with a 10-6 record, winning their third straight AFC East title in their fourth in five years. Yeah, and in the 2005 playoffs, Brady would record 201 passing yards and three passing touchdowns to help lead the Patriots to a blowout 28-3 victory over the Jaguars in the wild card round. Yeah, buddy. After beginning his career with a 10-0 playoff record, in the 2005 division round, the Patriots lost 27-13 to the Denver Broncos in Denver. Brady threw for 341 yards in the game with one touchdown and two interceptions in his first career playoff loss. Uh, Brady would finish the playoffs with four touchdowns, two interceptions, 542 yards, and a total EPA per play of 0.223, which is very good. Um, After the season ended, it was revealed that Brady had been playing with a sports hernia since December. Now, as 2006 rolls around, the Patriots began to reload for the future. Their offseason was viewed as a disastrous one. In addition to letting go of veteran guys like Adam Vinatieri and Willie McGinnis, they also traded Tom Brady's favorite favorite target, Deion Branch, due to a contract dispute. Still, despite the losses, the Patriots were a force in 2006. The Patriots were a force because they had Tom Brady, who simultaneously thrived with and was being held back by mediocrity on offense. Tom Brady finished the 2006 season sixth in passing touchdowns and seventh in passing yards. Looking at his impact and efficiency statistics for the 2006 season, he was 10th in adjusted net yards per attempt with an adjusted net yards per attempt plus of 116, which is elite. He was ninth in passer rating with a rate plus of 109, which is between good and very good for that statistic. Uh, He was fifth in EPA per play with an EPA per play of 0.166, which is also between good and very good. He was second in total QBR, which uh, with a total QBR of 68.6, 50s average. He was fifth in DYAR and he was eighth in DVOA at 17%. 17%. He also posted a PFF grade of 77.2, which according to their color chart is good. As we discussed in our first episode, with the way that pro football focus grades, uh, if we were to adjust it, that 77.2 PFF grade to an actual grade or 
given an actual grade, it would be a B plus. So if you ever see a PFF grade out in the wild for any position, just add like 10 points and that's their actual grade, so to speak. <clears throat> now, Tom did all this with Rache Caldwell, Jabbar Gaffney, and tight end Benjamin Watson as his best targets. It was truly a great season when you put everything into context. And although this was Tom's third consecutive elite season, he was not among the players initially selected to the Pro Bowl, although he probably should have been, especially over Phillip Rivers. He was, however, offered an injury replacement selection when San Diego Chargers quarterback, Phillip Rivers, as I just mentioned, was forced to withdraw. Brady ended up declining the invitation. Nate, Tom's a true king who doesn't care about accolades. I am weeping right now. If he accepted that Pro Bowl selection, he's he's number one all time in Pro Bowl selections. Like he'd have fifteen for his career, more than anyone else. Uh, <laughs> Why? Yeah, too bad we we don't have a time machine to go back and you know. Force slap Tom him, slap him around a bit. <laughs> Maybe bring Tony Soprano and get him to, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll make him accept the invitation. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, the Patriots defense would finish the season 11th in yards per play, third in points per drive, seventh in DVOA, and fourth in EPA per play, which was a substantial improvement from the year prior. So in 2006, the Patriots posted a 12 and 4 record won the AFCs for the fourth straight year, and were poised for a deep playoff run. Once again, being elite on both offense and defense, the only things they lacked were offensive weapons and a defensive leader, and tone setter Rodney Harrison. The Patriots also won the AFC title for the fourth straight year, and fifth time in six years. Moving on to the 2006 playoffs, after blowing out the Jets in the wildcard round of the playoffs and knocking off the top-seeded San Diego Chargers in the divisional round, New England traveled to Indianapolis for the AFC Championship game. The 06 Championship game, when the Pats jumped out to a commanding 21-3 first-half lead, it looked as though they would go to the Super Bowl at the Colts' expense for the third time in four years. At halftime, though, Adam Vinatieri rallied his new teammates by delivering a completely out-of-character tongue-lashing in the locker room. With Manning leading the way in the second half, the Colts mounted the largest comeback ever in a conference championship game and stunned the Patriots 38-34. The loss was by far the most devastating one to date in the Belichick-Brady era. Brady would finish the 2006 playoffs with an EPA per play of 0.131, which is pretty good. Uh, and five touchdowns, four interceptions, and 724 passing yards. Entering the 2007 season, determined to rebound, the Patriots, whose best wide receivers the year prior were Rache Caldwell and Jabbar Gaffney, signed Wes Welker and Dante Stallworth. They capped it off by trading a fourth-round pick to the Raiders for a 30-year-old Randy Moss. Tom Brady and the Patriots opened the 2007 season like racehorses coming out of a starting gate. On the first drive, Brady marched the offense 91 yards on 12 plays, capping the drive off with a touchdown strike to newly acquired receiver Wes Welker. The newly acquired Randy Moss, on the other hand, was open all day, catching nine passes for 183 yards. At times, it seemed like the Patriots were touring with their rival, the New York Jets. On one play, Brady launched the pass 51 yards through the air into triple coverage, 
Moss caught it in stride and glided into the end zone for a touchdown. The absolute audacity. The Patriots won the game 38-14. to Tom Brady finished the game having completed 78.6% of his passes and having thrown for 297 yards and three touchdowns. He posted a passer rating of 146.6, an EPA per play of 0.964, and a total QBR of 97.3. In the days after the game, the Spygate controversy began, or as I like to call it, Location Gate. Anyway, it was a whole bunch of nothing that people around the country use as an excuse to label the now annoying and recently villainized Patriots as cheaters. In week two, the Patriots would play the San Diego Chargers. Entering that, former 2006 NFL MVP uh, Ladanian Tomlinson, the Chargers running back, whose team had just been upset by the Patriots in the year prior during the division, in the divisional round, said of the Patriots... Uh, he thinks that they live by saying, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Well, that pissed off a lot of Patriots veterans. When Tom Brady took the field for pregame warmups, M&M's lose yourself, pulse from the sound system. Brady and all the other Patriots veterans who won multiple Super Bowls with the team glared at and stared down Chargers players as they jogged past them. On the Patriots' first possession, Tom Brady essentially went into a two-minute offense and threw on every play, completing six of seven passes. The seventh pass resulted in a touchdown. Less than three minutes into the game, the Patriots were in the end zone. After settling for a field goal on his second possession, on his third possession, Tom Brady threw a a second touchdown pass, this time to Randy Moss. Patriots walked into halftime up 24-0, and went on to win the game 38-14. to Tom Brady finished the game, having completed 80.6% of his passes and having thrown for 279 yards and three touchdowns. He posted a passer rating of 121.3, an EPA per play of 0.483, and a total QBR of 88.6. Entering week three, the Spygate controversy was ramping up. That week... Tom Brady led the Patriots to a victory against the Buffalo Bills, 38-7. Tom finished the game having completed 79.3% of his passes. He also threw for 311 yards, four touchdowns, and had a pass rating of 150.9, an EPA per play of 0.49, and a total QBR of 87.8. At that point, no team in history has scored 37 or more points in its first three weeks. Over the next coming weeks, more and more shots were being taken at the Patriots by the media. Tom Brady and the Patriots took it out on their opponents. In week four, they defeated the Cincinnati Bengals 34-13. Tom would complete 78.1% of his passes. He threw for 231 yards and three touchdowns. He had a pass rating of 115, an EPA per play of 0.476, and a total QBR of 82.1. In week five, they beat the Cleveland Browns 34-17. Tom, a 57.9 completion percentage, threw for 265 yards, three touchdowns, and had a pass rating of 105, an EPA per play of 0.133, and a total QBR of 76.4. During a radio interview, Brady said that the Patriots were trying to kill teams, that they were trying to blow them out if they could. 
when Tom Brady and the Patriots visited the legendary, uber-talented Tony Romo and the Dallas Cowboys in Week 6, both teams were undefeated. Billed as a potential Super Bowl preview, the Patriots-Cowboys matchup was the most-watched regular-season NFL game since 1996. With more than 29 million people watching, Tom Brady and his rocket arm stole the show. Tom was like a kid, and the Cowboys stadium was his playground. At one point in the fourth quarter, Tom Brady called in play in the huddle. It had been designed, designed especially for Randy Moss, and it had been added to the playbook only a few days earlier. Unsure of what route he was supposed to run, newly acquired receiver Dante Stallworth looked at Tom Brady as the huddle broke. He asked Tom what he wanted him to do. Tom told him to just go deep. After the snap, under pressure, and, and seeing that Randy Moss was covered, Brady spotted Stallworth, stepped up, and let it fly, hitting Stallworth perfectly in stride for a 69-yard touchdown completion. The Patriots won the game 48-27. to Tom had a then-career-high five passing touchdowns, tying a Patriots franchise record. The win also tied him with Hall of Fame quarterback Roger Staubach for the most wins ever by a starting quarterback in his first 100 regular season starts with 76. In this game, in addition to his five passing touchdowns, Tom completed 67.4% of his passes and had 388 passing yards. He posted a passer rating of 129.6, an EPA per play of 0.508, and a total QBR of 87.6. The next week, week seven, Tom had another record day as he led the Patriots to a 49-28 win at Miami. He had a career-high six passing touchdowns, setting a franchise record. It was also the first game of his career in which he had a perfect pass rating of 158.3. His stats for the game, other than his career-high six touchdowns, were that he completed 84% of his passes, he passed for 354 yards, and in addition to his perfect passer rating, Tom posted an EPA per play of 1.206 and had a total QBR of 99.7. In week, which yeah, is still one of the highest, or is very close to the highest you can get. In week eight, New England destroyed Washington 52 to seven. Tom finished the game having completed 76.3% of his passes and tossing for 306 yards and three touchdowns. He had a passer rating of 125.6, an EPA per play of 0.529, and a total QBR of 90.9. Through eight weeks, Tom completed 74.2% of his passes. He had thrown for 2,431 yards, 30 touchdowns, and just two interceptions. He had a passer rating of 136.2 and an EPA per play of 0.56. The Patriots made a bigger mockery of the notion that the illegal act of filming hand signals and the restricted area of the field from which they did so had anything to do with their dominance. The games were so lopsided that teams started accusing the Pats of running up the score. Against Washington, for example, the Patriots twice went for it on fourth down late in the game. Once when they were up 38 to nothing and a second time when they were leading 45 to nothing both times the pats kept the drive alive by getting a first down and then went on to score a touchdown when reporters questioned bill belichick's decisions in the post-game press conference he had this to say 
What do you want us to do? Kick a field goal? It's 38 nothing. It's fourth down. We're just out here playing. In week nine, before their bye week, the 8-0 Patriots would play the 7-0 Indianapolis Colts, the defending Super Bowl champions, in a rematch of the 2006 AFC Championship game. While Brady and the Patriots were ahead in the seven-year series, Manning and the Colts had won the previous three matchups between the two teams. It was one of the most eagerly anticipated regular season games in over a decade. Never in NFL history had two undefeated teams played each other so late in the season. And not only were the two teams undefeated, they were also, analytically, the two best teams in the NFL. After annihilating the undefeated Dallas Cowboys in Week 6, the Patriots were once again ready to prove themselves. And like that game in Dallas, the game in Indianapolis would again break audience records, this time with 33.8 million viewers. It was the highest rated Sunday afternoon regular season game ever. For the first time all season, the Patriots fell behind early and trailed throughout the game. Trailing by 10 points, 20 to 10, with just under 10 minutes to play, Tom Brady threw a 55-yard laser to Randy Moss, followed by a touchdown pass to Wes Relkman. On the Patriots' next possession, it took Tom just three plays to get his team back in the end zone. In less than a five-minute span, Tom Brady and the Patriots had scored 14 points to defeat the Indianapolis Colts 24-20 and improve on the year to 9-0. And not only did the Patriots improve to 9-0, Tom also threw for three touchdowns for the ninth game in a row, breaking Peyton Manning's record of eight. So, in addition to the three touchdowns, Tom completed 65.6% of his passes, threw for 255 yards, posted a passer rating of 95.2, an EPA per play of 0.229, and a total QBR of 88.8. After their Week 10 bye, the Patriots had become such a ratings draw for the networks that the NFL moved the afternoon Week 11 Patriots-Bills game to the primetime slot on NBC. Earlier that day, Cowboys receiver Terrell Owens caught four touchdown passes from Tony Romo in a 28-23 win over the Redskins. Prior to that game in Buffalo, Brady approached Moss in the locker room. The two had talked about what T.O. had done and were determined to match it. When Brady and Moss took the field to warm up, it was cold, and the wind coming off Lake Erie was whipping through Rich Stadium. Not exactly ideal throwing conditions, but Belichick walked up to Brady and informed him that they would still be throwing the ball. At the eight-minute mark of the first quarter, Brady threw a touchdown pass to Moss. At the start of the second quarter, Brady threw another touchdown pass to Moss. Eight minutes later, Brady threw another touchdown pass to Moss. Then, with 10 seconds left in the first half, Brady threw his fourth touchdown pass of the day to Moss. After Owens had caught four touchdowns in one game, Moss had promptly bested him by catching four in one half. The Patriots dominated every phase of the game and went on to win big 56-10 to reach 10-0. Brady threw for 373 yards and five touchdowns, completing 79.5% of his passes. He had a passer rating of 146.1, an EPA per play of 0.875, and a total QBR of 98.9. The entire sports world was swept up in the Patriots' quest for an undefeated season. With one week remaining, the Patriots were 15-0. and 
The New York Giants were the only team that stood between them and the first 16-0 season in NFL history. With the stadium packed with more than 79,000 fans, Pats were greeted with boos as they took the field. Minutes later, the Giants struck first to go up 7 to nothing, electrifying the, Gi- the New York crowd. Trailing 7-3 to three in the third quarter, Brady lofted a pass towards the back corner of the end zone. Randy Moss outjumped a defender to put the Patriots up 10-7. With the touchdown, the Patriots set the all-time record for points scored in a single season, 561. Fittingly, the game was the most entertaining contest of the entire season. Every time New England went ahead, New York regained the lead. With New York up 28-3 in the fourth quarter, Tom Brady launched the 65-yard touchdown pass to Randy Moss putting the Patriots on top to stay. For Randy Moss, it was his 23rd touchdown reception of the season, breaking Jerry Rice's all-time single-season record. For Tom Brady, it was his 50th touchdown pass of the season, breaking Peyton Manning's all-time single-season. The Giants' stadium crowd was completely stunned. The Patriots beat the Giants on the road 38-35. to more than, thir- more than 34.6 million viewers tuned in, making it the most watched television program since the Oscars. Tom finished the game with 356 yards and two touchdowns. He completed 76.2% of his passes, posted a passer rating of 116.8, an EPA per play of 0.525, and a total QBR of 89.2. Tom had what many sports writers described as one of the best seasons by a quarterback. He led the Patriots to the first 16-0 regular season record in NFL history, outscoring opponents by an average score of 37-17. He also obtained numerous career, franchise, and NFL records and milestones in the process. He was named as the Offensive Player of the Week five times that year. Now having weapons comparable to those Peyton Manning had for the majority of his career, particularly in Indianapolis, Tom Brady finished the 2007 season leading the league in passing touchdowns for the second time in his career and leading the league in passing yards for the second time in his career. Looking at his impact and efficiency metrics for the 2007 season, Tom Brady was first in adjusted net yards per attempt with an adjusted net yards per attempt plus of 142 the highest of his career and one of the best marks of all time. Tom was first in passer rating with a rate plus of 148. Again, the highest of his career and one of the best marks of all time. Tom was first in EPA per play at 0.415, which is the second highest of all time behind 2004 Peyton Manning. He was first in total QBR at 87.0, which is the highest all time. He was first in DYAR, which became the highest of all time. He was first in DVOA at 54.1%, which is the second highest of all time behind 2004 Peyton Manning. He also posted a PFF grain of 94.9, which according to their color chart is elite. Brady was named the most valuable player and offensive player of the year. He was also honored by the Associated Press as their male athlete of the year. The first time an NFL player earned the honor since Joe Montana won the award back in 1990. As a result of his historic season, he was named as a first-team All-Pro for the first time in his career, and he would make his fourth career Pro Bowl. 
Tom's 50 to 8 touchdown to interception ratio was, at the time, an NFL record. He became the first quarterback to pass for 50 touchdowns. He led the Patriots to the first undefeated regular season since the then 16 game schedule was implemented in 1978. He led an offense that scored a then NFL record 589 points and 75 total touchdowns. In the years since, Tom's 2007 was unanimously voted the greatest passing season of all time by ESPN in 2013. Now, a key part of the 2007 team, other than the all-time great offense led by Tom Brady, was the veteran defense, which ranked 7th in yards per play, 5th in points per drive, 10th in DVOA, and 8th in EPA per play. Heading into the playoffs with an all-time great offense and a great defense, the 16-0 Patriots were poised to make a run at becoming 19-0. 2007 Patriots' first playoff game, a divisional round game against Jacksonville, Brady began the game with an NFL postseason record 16 consecutive completed passes, and he finished the game with 26 completions and 28 attempts, a completion rate of 92.9%. That mark was the highest single game completion percentage with at least 20 NFL or with 20 attempts in NFL history, regular season or postseason. With the win, the Patriots matched the undefeated 1972 Miami Dolphins as the only team to win 17 consecutive games in one season. Brady would finish that game with a 0.662 EPA per play. Statistically, Brady did not fare as well in the AFC Championship game against the San Diego Chargers, throwing for 209 yards, two touchdowns, and three interceptions. Nevertheless, the Patriots won their 18th game of the season, 21-12, to advance to the Super Bowl for the fourth time in seven seasons. Brady, with the 100th win of his career, also set an NFL record for the fewest games needed by a starting quarterback to do so. His 100-26 record is 16 games better than Joe Montana's. He would finish the AFC Championship game with a negative 0.091 EPA per play. From the Patriots' perspective, Super Bowl 42 was strange from the outset. The Giants held the Pats scoreless in the first quarter. After the Patriots scored a touchdown on the first play of the second quarter to go up 7-3, Neither team scored again until the 11th minute mark of the fourth quarter when Giants quarterback Eli Manning threw a touchdown pass to David Tyree to put his team on top 10-7. to No other team had managed to hold the Patriots' high-powered offense to a single touchdown so late in the game. Much of the Giants' success stemmed from the confidence they had obtained in the 38-35 to loss to the Pats just over a month earlier. Through the first three quarters of the Super Bowl, The Giants' defense had relentlessly pressured and pounded Tom Brady, while simultaneously shutting down Randy Moss and brutalizing ball carriers with punishing hits. Wes Welker was the only Patriots player the Giants hadn't been able to corral. When when the Patriots took possession on their own 24-yard line with just under eight minutes to play and down by three points, 10-7, Tom Brady and his teammates were on the ropes. Then... The greatest quarterback of all time went to work. Completion to Welker, completion to Moss, a run for nine yards, completion to Welker, completion to Falk, completion to Welker, completion to Moss, completion to Falk. Suddenly, the Giants couldn't stop the Patriots. And on third and goal from the Giants' six-yard line, Tom Brady hit Randy Moss for a touchdown. Just like that, 
with two minutes and 42 seconds to play, New England had reclaimed the lead, 14 to 10. As he'd done so many times in his career, Tom Brady had orchestrated a last-minute come-from-behind scoring drive. The first opportunity for the Pats' defense to end the game came on fourth and one with about 140 left to go. But New England couldn't hold them, and the Giants gained just enough yardage to keep the drive alive. Then, with a minute 20 left to play, Eli Manning threw a poor pass that went right through the fingers of Patriots defensive back Asante Samuel. The Patriots' most sure-handed defender dropped what would have been game-ending interception. On the next play, Eli Manning dropped back to pass and was immediately engulfed by the Patriots' defensive line. Defensive end Jarvis Green grabbed Eli by the back of the jersey, holding him in place as Richard Seymour simultaneously got a hand on Manning. Seymour was about to pull Manning down when offensive lineman Sean O'Hara reached out in jet desperation and grabbed Seymour by the throat, choking him. The officials missed O'Hara's illegal hold, which forced Seymour off of Manning, and despite Green's grasp, Manning broke free before the referee could blow his whistle. Scurrying out of the scrum, Eli Manning launched the ball 45 yards downfield. Patriots defender Rodney Harrison, Giants receiver David Tyree, simultaneously leaped for it. Inexplicably, with Harrison draped all over Tyree, Tyree fully extended his arms and pinned the ball against the top of his helmet with one hand as he was falling backwards through the air. Despite Tyree crashing to the ground, the ball never dislodged from his helmet. The helmet catch, as it would famously be called, seemed to define gravity. Patriots were stunned, and a few plays later, after almost picking off yet another ball by Eli Manning, the defense looked exhausted and beaten as Eli tossed a touchdown pass to a wide-open Plaxico Burris to put the Giants ahead 17-14. Just 29 seconds remained on the clock when Tom Brady and the Patriots' offense trotted onto the field desperately. After an incomplete pass and a sack, the Patriots were backed all the way up to their 16-yard line with 19 seconds on the clock. Facing third and 20, Tom Brady decided to air it out. With Randy Moss streaking down the left side of the field, Brady rolled to his right to buy himself an extra couple of seconds. Then he took a few steps forward and let it fly. His perfect spiral traveled 70-plus yards through the air and reached Randy Moss's hands at the same moment that a defender outstretched his hand between Moss's to break up the play. Like the season, the remarkable pass fell inches short of perfection. Patriots lost the game to the New York Giants, 17-14. All right, now we move on to fan questions. Our good friend at Anthony Webster underscore asks, did Brady make another leap in 2007, or was it just the surrounding talent holding him down in previous years? Um, I think uh, I think he definitely took another leap um, in 07. Uh, I, I think it's definitely both. I think the surrounding talent was holding him down. I mean, in the prior year, you know, he was throwing to Rache Caldwell and Jabbar Gaffney. Um, but I think you can contribute it to both. He definitely he looked just super explosive. I mean, he looked so good in the pocket in 2007. Um, and of course, adding, you know, Moss and Welker definitely helped. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. 
Brady NFL asks, what would have happened if Tom Brady had never become a starter? So what do you think? Well, I think what he means by that is if Bledsoe never got hurt, would Tom Brady have become the starter eventually? And I think yes, and I'll explain why. Bill Belichick drafted Tom Brady, as we mentioned earlier, because he saw a lot of mostly intangible things in Tom that he really liked. Leadership, resiliency, uh, exceptional reaction to adversity, uh, exceptional performance under pressure. At that time, Brady was what, six foot four, six foot five, underweight, and but as a quarterback, he was pretty much solid at everything. Accuracy, delivery, release time, pocket presence, decision making. He just needed to grow, build muscle, and be quicker with his throws and decision. He essentially needed to be more NFL ready. And um, <clears throat> by 2001, he was. Now, Robert Kraft was the one who pushed offering Drew Bledsoe the 10-year, $103 million contract after two straight mediocre at best seasons in 1999 and 2000. Uh, Belichick, by Signing Bledsoe to that contract basically said, why not? You know, all Bill Belichick knew during that time was that finding a franchise quarterback was difficult. Tom Brady was basically a project to him at that point. Now, in the 2001 offseason, training camp and preseason, Coach Belichick and offensive coordinator Charlie Weiss noted that Brady had not only drastically improved from the year prior, but that he also consistently outworked and outplayed uh, Drew Bledsoe and the veteran they just signed, uh, Damon Heward. Now, entering week one, as we mentioned earlier, Bill Belichick told the Crafts and Director of Player Personnel Scott Pioli that if it were truly up to him, Tom would be the starter. In week two, uh, against the Jets, Belichick's whole team, It was rumored that Belichick told a Jets assistant coach that his job could be in jeopardy if Bledsoe didn't improve. At that point, Belichick was 5-12 with Bledsoe as a starter, and the Patriots' offense as a whole over the previous year and two games was mediocre at best. Or year and one game, I should say. All this info is in pretty much every book or novel you can find about Bill Belichick or Tom Brady or the Patriots' dynasty as a whole. So... Assuming that Bill Belichick keeps his job after having a healthy Drew Bledsoe in 2001, it is pretty unlikely that unless Bledsoe was playing at a level, which he hadn't been doing since 1996 or 1997, it's up in the air really, um, Tom Brady probably would have become the Patriots starter at some point in 2002 or 2003. Uh, Drew Bledsoe was known particularly from 1999 to the time he retired He was known for being an inconsistent gunslinger who was turnover prone and had happy feet. Tom Brady, even in his worst years, is and was the exact opposite. Now, Bledsoe from 2003 to 2006, after a very good year in 2002, was basically a shell of himself, even getting replaced by uh, an undrafted third-year Tony Romo in 2006. So in my opinion, Tom Brady definitely becomes the Patriots starter by some time in like 2003, maybe 2004, but I, I'm leaning more towards 2003. Also, Tom Brady didn't really hit his stride as a top-tier quarterback until about midway through 2003. 
So it may have been even better for his career perception, Tom's that is, if he was kept on the bench for those three years. Drew Bledsoe likely doesn't win any playoff games from 2001 to 2002, and Tom doesn't get that game manager label to start his career. He instead comes straight out the gate as an elite quarterback like 2006 Romo, 2006 Rivers, 2008 Rodgers, 2018 Mahomes, and he caps it off with a quality playoff run and a great Super Bowl performance. So Brady would then follow up that very good 2003 season with a truly elite 2004 season, and which would include an elite playoff run and another great Super Bowl performance, you know, instead of a 2002 season where he was borderline top 10, went nine and seven and missed the playoffs. If Brady, if Bledsoe never got hurt, Brady would have became the starter in 2003 and 2004 and had a much better start to his career. So if you're someone who dislikes Tom Brady and likes to use hypotheticals or hold the 2001 and 2002 seasons against him for some weird reason, Drew Bledsoe being healthy in 01 likely works out even better for Tom's career numbers and career perception. That is, of course, assuming Bill Belichick doesn't get fired after 2001. Then Tom could possibly have a great career somewhere else like he did in Tampa. Probably the Ravens, Steelers, 49ers, or Cowboys. Or maybe he just takes over for Bledsoe in 2002 or 2003 anyway. After all, by 2001, he was outplaying and outworking Drew Bledsoe in camp and in the preseason. That likely continues the following two years, no matter who the coach is. Basically, Tom Brady is really good. That's Daddy Brady. (laughs) Yes, sir. All right. Moving on to the next question from our friend and fellow Brady stand, Anthony Webster underscore. He asks, when did Tom Brady enter his prime? Well, um, Nate, Anthony, or uh, what's what's he on? What's his name? Kenny Lofton. Kenny Lofton. (laughs) (laughs) The... um, Daddy Brady's prime began, in my opinion, was during the midway through the 2003 season, during the 2000, during the overtime game at Miami. Or in that same season, you could say it started in Super Bowl 38 when he had that all time great performance. Um, Or you could say it started in 2004 when he had his first truly elite season. So. You could say his prime started midway through 2003 in Super Bowl 38 or in 2004. And that's just my opinion. And I'm sure many people would agree with either one of those. What well, do you I think, know, Nate? Um, I, would, I would say uh, 2004, probably. I just think that's um, you know when you really started to see him hit a stride. I mean, you could argue midway through 2003, too, but I, I think 2004 was really when he entered his prime, and what's crazy is that, you know, your prime, obviously, is considered, you know, the best years of your career, and then you're gonna, you know, you have either the years before that, like Manning did, he had those bad-slash-average years before hitting his prime, and then, you know, in 2015, he fell off a cliff but like where where does brady's prime end like 
where could you say that that ends? Because, I mean, he's still performing, I mean, besides 2019, um, you know, which was, you know, he was throwing to janitors and milkmen out there in 2019. I mean, could you still, I mean, or where would you say well, he did his, his prime, really? His prime is still going on, but the apex of his prime, in my opinion, is 2007 to 2012. But his prime in general is from midway through 2003 or 2004 to present day. That's his prime. But his apex was 2007, 2012, because he had a couple off years. He had a couple off years in 2006, and which was still an elite year, and 2013, which was still a very good year. And 2019, which was mediocre by his standards, but he didn't have a lot of help, and he was 41 years old. So yeah, and I always, I always just like to, you know, ask the what if question. Like, I want to know what would have happened in 2008. I'm a hundred percent like on the board. I mean, from what I remember, and obviously I was relatively young, the team didn't change that much. No, the not roster, really. There was like very little roster turnover. So I mean. I, I would have seen at least – Brady would have thrown at least like 40, 45 touchdowns. He, he might have even been able to break 50 again. Yeah, he was definitely winning MVP that year because that was one of the weak MVP seasons in NFL history by Peyton Manning in 08. So, you know, and he had like 20, 28 touchdowns or whatever or 30, whatever it was. Wasn't the schedule relatively easy that year It was. Well? And they, they lost to every good team they played, or most good teams they played against that year. Yeah. We'll get Brady to would have won. Yeah, we'll get to that yeah. next episode. <clears throat> so, um, at Pats and B-Ball asks, up to that point in NFL history, was the 2003 Panthers Super Bowl the most statistically impressive Super Bowl by a quarterback in NFL history? I think he's referring to Tom Brady there. Yep. Also, how come Bill Belafraud let Jake DeLome pass for 330 yards and three <laughs> touchdowns? What do you think, Nate? Uh, it, it definitely wasn't the most statistically impressive Super Bowl by QB. Um, one that jumps into my mind immediately was uh, Joe Montana in 89 when he uh, blew out the Denver Broncos 55-10. to 10. He threw for... 297 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, 147.6 pass rating. So I think that that is uh, that right there is probably the best Super Bowl performance in NFL history. Or you could argue the other Niners quarterback, um, who's less of a fraud than Montana, um, Steve Young, his Super Bowl win. In 1994, when he threw for 325 yards, six touchdowns, he also ran for 49 yards. Um, so it, it's either Montana or Young, but it, it definitely wasn't Brady. Yeah, it's. I don't think it's even Brady's best Super Bowl performance. No, it, it isn't. No. Yeah, it, it's it's not. Um, you could, if you were to make a list of best Super Bowl performances by QB all time, I I would say. Brady has like three or four of the top ten. Yeah, the Eagles one would be up there. Uh, the Falcons one would be up there. Um, Seahawks. Well, maybe that's maybe top fifteen, but that's a good yeah. one. Yeah, the, the the Eagles would probably. I think the Eagles would probably be higher than the Seahawks one. Or would yeah. you not agree? 
Yeah, I'd agree. Okay. And then um, even the Kansas City one, he was the, both had the best half of any quarterback in the Super Bowl. So. Yeah, and people uh, people just like to dwell on the fact that he only threw for two hundred and one yards. But the, the thing most is, of those is, came in the first half. They came in the first half, and then they had no reason to to throw the ball. I mean, the game was over. I mean, I, if it was a close game, and they were you know exchanging exchanging blows, like Brady really could have thrown for like five, six touchdowns, you know, yeah. 400 plus yards, the, the way he was going. I mean, that's obviously just guessing, but I mean, he had an elite first half and, yeah. you know, just the fact that they were, you know, ahead kind of, um, you know, diminishes his stats, which it really doesn't diminish his stats. He threw for three touchdowns, no interceptions. He, he played a perfect game. I mean, yeah, you know. he had a great EPA per play. He had a great, yeah total QBR he had a great PFF grade so no mistakes I mean I know he, I know he didn't have a huge I know his average uh depth of target or his air yards weren't extremely big um it didn't really game. have to be but it yeah. didn't have to be and again uh he just took what they gave I was gonna say the exact same thing I mean I a lot of people get so uh hung up on the the highlight play because the guys like Mahomes and Lamar and there's nothing like I mean those guys are incredible but it's just the fact that those guys make like insane plays, but those insane plays are not what makes the quarterback great. The it's, high it's, risk, it's high the, reward. It's yeah. the every day or it's the every down type of play. It's just, you know, getting the ball out quick on a third and three, getting, you know, getting that first down. It doesn't matter how you do it. I mean, if Mahomes wants to roll out because he has to and throw the ball 30 yards on a third and three and he gets it, I mean, cool and if Brady sits in the pocket and gets the third and three that I mean that's good too Uh, it's just like I feel like the highlight play is so ingrained in people's minds that they forget that like being a quarterback or in sports in general the highlight play isn't the play that happens all the time you know it's the rare play that's why it's the highlight all right and how come Bill Belafrog let Jake DeLone pass for 330 yards and three touchdowns? Well, it's right in the name, Belafraud. I mean, yeah, it's exactly. as simple as that. It's just, you know, he's just a fraud. I mean, he's basically Eric Mangini. Or, I mean, do I say Rex Ryan minus the uh, foot fetish, maybe? <laughs> That's probably a more act. Well, maybe Buddy Ryan without the... Uh, he's, he's a Buddy Ryan away from... He's a Tom Brady... In, he's a Drew Bledsoe injury away from being Buddy Ryan. Let's just say that. Minus the long hair. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he, Bill, Bill would be a solid coach. More like, I don't know yeah. if Rex Ryan would be. Yeah, uh, he we just like to joke. Somewhere between, somewhere between Rex Ryan, Ron no. Rivera, Tom Coughlin tops, but I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, look, Belichick doesn't win six rings in... New England without Brady and Brady doesn't win six without him. I mean, nope, 100%. It's as simple as that. Um, but I am very happy that Brady got to prove that he could win one without Bill. And yeah. I do, I do hope Bill wins one without him. I mean, I want that. Well, but, he'll have a lot of success without him, but I don't know if he'll win one, but he'll definitely have a lot of success. Uh, yeah, this upcoming year is a is going to be a big, uh, you know, next three years, they, the team's built to win now for the next 
yeah. two, three, four so, years. So what we see then, I mean, he's probably realistically only got what five years at the most left. I would yeah, say. I don't think he's playing past seventy-five. Yeah, so I, I think coaching past seventy-five. I should say. Yeah, what is he right now? He's like sixty-nine or seventy right now. He said he'd yeah, retire so when he's seventy-two. Oh, did he say that? This was like in '09. He said that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, w- I would assume he, it's probably changed. Yeah. Much like Brady, you know, in his decision after he went down in 08, how that impacted his career and wanting to play longer. Yeah, but, you mentioned um, you mentioned that, and like, um, you mentioned how Tom getting hurt, what would have happened? Well, Tom getting hurt is the big reason why he's still playing at 43, because he was that injury inspired him to become motivated mm-hmm. and. Um, just inspired him to be to want to play at a high level into his 40s like he thought a lot about his life and his career and where he wanted to go and oh that yeah. injury gave him some uh that time off gave him a lot of perspective so maybe we should be thanking bernard pollard hmm. just for, maybe just for maybe. that one thing not for all the other injuries <laughs> not for wes caused. welker's injury to, yeah Bronx yeah. or yeah. who else did he hear? He hurt someone else he, too. He hurt Welker, wasn't it in the last game of the season versus the Texans, or was that a playoff? Yeah, game? that was in 2009, last game of the season. Yeah. yeah. Um. And it was, and Welker was done after that, right? Yeah, he never didn't... the same. He was never yeah. the same guy. After yeah. That. Well, he was, but he also, but in terms of like catch percentage and mm-hmm. the way he would like wasn't afraid to take a hit, kind of changed after that. But Pollard hit. And, uh, yeah, that's it for fan questions. Um, we want to thank TB underscore facts on Twitter for helping us with some of the research for this week's episode. That's at TB underscore facts on Twitter. We also want to thank those who submitted questions as well as all of you for taking the time to listen to this episode. I know it's pretty, uh, it's kind of a long one. Um, we hope you will continue to watching out for other episodes in this Tom Brady series, which may include guests, some new, some we've had on in previous episodes. Anyway, if you like the episode, follow us wherever you may listen to our podcast and follow us on Twitter at KP and the kid. If you love the episode, leave a review and tell a friend about us. Be a friend and tell a friend. Take it easy, babe.